So we're in Genesis. And why Genesis? Why Genesis? Well, Genesis is an essential book to study and read if we are going to understand who our God is. Who is our God, the person, the power, the work? We need to study the book of Genesis. This is the first book of the Pentateuch. It's the first book of the Bible. And the word Genesis, of course, means in the, it means beginning or origins. And of course, the first words of the Bible here in Genesis are in the beginning, God. In the beginning, at at the base of everything, at the foundation of everything, God, God. And we need to remember, as Shannon was saying, going back to the person and the power and the work of God. We need to know who we are. And Genesis tells us who we are. You're going to find your story and your life in the book of Genesis. Genesis will tell us why there is pain, sorrow, disease, sickness in this world. Why is there evil in this world? Genesis will explain. Genesis will explain to us how God works and is working in all things to restore all creation to Eden and Eden-like conditions again. Again, Genesis is the first book of the Pentateuch. It introduces us to God, to creation, how it came to be, to time, to Satan, to sin, to death. It's almost an unveiling of why everything is like it is. It speaks to us concerning the origins of time, of light, of life, of mankind, of sin, and of death. There are four major events in Genesis that we'll be studying. The first is creation. The next is the fall or the entrance of sin into God's good creation. Next is the flood. And finally, the Tower of Babel. These are the four great events. And they're not just stories. They're real life cataclysmic events that happened and made all the difference in the world. We're going to study the lives of four great men, Adam, Abraham, Jacob, and Joseph. But Genesis is not simply a book of stories. In fact, it's really interesting because they're saying that one of the reasons that so many kids grow up in church, you're going to Sunday school, but never enter the church body, never come into the sanctuary as they get older, is because they've been taught that the Bible is a book of stories, not a book of realities in real life. But we are going to be studying Genesis because these, this is a historical narrative. These things actually took place. You know, I think we see the cutesy picture of the ark, Noah's ark, and it looks so cute. And you've got a giraffe sticking out, you know, his head and an elephant hanging from it, you know, not an elephant. I meant to say a monkey hanging from its neck. Can you imagine an elephant? But, you know, we get these cutesy pictures. And so it just seems like, isn't that so cute? It just belongs in like a nursery and above a crib. And we don't realize the reality 
uh, there was a cataclysmic worldwide flood. And this barge that was multi-storied carried a remnant of the animal life and humanity and kept it safe from a worldwide cleansing. We don't realize all the ramifications. The more we study Genesis, the more you're going to throw up your hands and go, God, you're bigger and greater than I ever realized. You are absolutely amazing, and it's all true. It's all true. This is not a book of make-believe. It is historical, but it's not just about any history. It's about the history of redemption. It will show us the need for redemption, the purpose of redemption, and the goal of redemption. You see, redemption is about God buying us back, not just to buy us back to be slaves in the kingdom of God, but he bought us back that he wants us to again be sons and daughters that he might bless us, show us the blessings of his greatness and have a relationship with us and walk daily with us. It is principles for life that we'll find in Genesis, but it's not just principles for life. It's a historical narrative, but more than a historical narrative, not a hysterical, historical narrative of life. It's life lessons, but not limited to life lessons. Principles, but not just principles. It is instructional, but not just instruction. It is dramatic, but not just drama. We've got enough of that as women. It is relational at its core, and it's real stories of real life and real people. Genesis answers basic questions of life, like what is God like? Why are things like they are in the world around us? Why do I act the way I do? Ever wonder that? Ever like, why, why am I acting like this? Why am I feeling like this? Why am I talking like this? You know, why do, why do I have these feelings? Genesis will tell you. Genesis will answer the question of, what is God doing about the problems in the world? Uh, I'll never forget, Brandon and I went out for our anniversary to Burger Lounge. We know how to do really like big anniversary celebrations. And I, I walked in and this woman came up to me and she said, what are you doing about the transgender bathroom issue? I'm like, I'm not responsible for that. I wasn't on any councils. Nobody asked me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you think I have a lot more power than I do. And, and she asked me again, what are you doing? And I said, I'm seeking to give the gospel to as many people as I possibly can because nothing but the gospel is going to change the heart or mind, disposition or direction of where things are going. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. And she's like, oh. <laughs> and so then she saw Brian coming out with our number, you know, for our order. And she turns around and she goes, what are you doing about the bathroom situation? And he's like, hello? My name's Brian and you are? And he's looking at me like, is she your friend? I'm like. <laughs> and then he said to her, I'm seeking to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible. I'm like, good answer. 
And then she looks at me like, did you prep him? (laughs) No. But you know, what are we doing about the problems in the world? It's showing us what God is doing. And it will show us how to get on God's team. Because the idea is not for us to fix the problems, but to get on God's team because he's already working to fix the problems in the world. It will answer the question of why do men have a free will? Why am I allowed choices? It will tell us how God will work through time, culture, ordinary men, and even evil. How does God work through time? How does God work through culture? How does God work through ordinary men? How does God work even in evil to bring about good? It will answer the question of how does God redeem? What is God's will? What does God want from men? How can someone walk with God? And what does faith look like? We need answers to all these questions. And Genesis will provide them. Genesis is nuanced. I love that. It has drama. Oh, does it have drama? I mean, think about it. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. And it was good. Oh, it's got drama. And for those of you that love drama, you're going to get it. It has the supernatural. It has the miraculous. It has the unbelievable but true. It has redemption. It has life lessons. It has glory. It has hope. It has truth. It has tragedy. It has loss. It has comedy. It has failure. And it has triumph. But most of all, Genesis records the story of God's love, grace, and pursuit of men to bring the world back to himself and therefore bless the world again. In order to really understand, take in, and ingest all the vital lessons and the truths and revelations of Genesis, we have this beautiful book that's going to take you a little deeper. You know how sometimes you can read and you're like, that was really good, or you might even take notes? This will take you a little bit deeper. This will take you a little deeper. It's going to ask you questions that require thought. There's no wrong answers. There really isn't. You're to write down what you feel the Spirit speaking to you. And as you write down these lessons, you're going to learn to hear the voice of the Lord and know how he speaks. And you're going to write down, sometimes you're going to look at your answer and go, that is so good. I can't believe I wrote that. You didn't. The Holy Spirit prompted you, so get over it. It will show you how Genesis ties in with the rest of God's word to give a cohesive message and will help all of us to see the relevance of Genesis to our own lives. It shows you this is where it applies. There is something remarkable, insightful, revelational, faith-building about studying God's word in community. We need the whole body. And we gather together to discuss our insights and to learn from each other. In discussion, there is personal and corporate illumination. You will get understanding 
in that group, you will see things from a different vantage point than you would if you were just studying it by yourself. In fact, if you don't know the answer to a question, skip it. If you're like, I don't know how to answer it, leave it alone. Somebody will answer it in group and you'll say, I like their answer. Just write theirs down. Pretend it's yours. <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. So as we're gathering to discuss the word of the Lord, Jesus will be with us. The spirit of God will be present in our groups and in our time together. Not only that, in Malachi 3.16, it says that those who love the Lord spoke often about him. And the Lord was listening and a book of remembrance was written. So as we gather together to talk about God's word, God is listening. And God is taking role and saying, ooh, I remember you were there. So God will be fully involved. In group, we learn what it is to fellowship, and we realize it's more than an exchange of recipes. That fellowship, or beauty tips, that fellowship is really about talking about the Lord and seeking to encourage one another with the revelations that God has shown us, how the Lord has spoken to us as we study. Another aspect of the groups is we make lifelong friends. Some of you are in your groups and you're like, these are my best friends. They just have become your best friends. They're your, they're your first response. If something goes wrong, you're going to call those women. You're going to talk to those women. You're going to receive a support system, prayer team, teammates. Then we worship. Worship is a time to express the depths of our being through song. It's our appreciation of God. It's our declaration of who our God is and what he's done and what he means to us. It's our acknowledgement of all he is. And it's an opportunity to bless him with our lips and honor him for all he has done and is doing. We have a Bible study taught by moi, where we go over what we have studied. And it's we have one singular point to every Bible study to drive home and drive into our hearts. It is a time of contemplation, meditation, listening, and therefore revelation. Then we dismiss to eat, to fellowship, to go home, to go back to work, filled with the glory of having met with God and with women of God, having been in God's word and having heard from our God. There is grace here. There is an atmosphere of grace. We understand, we being the group leaders, the support leaders, the administrators, we understand that you aren't always going to be able to do all your homework. We get that. We have to, because we're in leadership. You don't. And we understand that sometimes it's gonna be a week. Still come, please. And, and just fill in your answers as everybody else is answering. Go, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Just fill it in. We understand. We understand that some people don't like groups. You're just not ready for it. That's okay. Just come to the lecture. Come for worship and the lecture. I totally get that. First time I ever came to Joyful Life, 
And it was when my mom was just starting and she said, oh, Cheryl, come to Joyful Life. And I had a little baby girl and I didn't want to leave her that long. So I left her with Brian in his office and I came and I sat in the back and the woman got up and said, don't come here if you're not going to join a group. I started sobbing because I was a nursing mother and your hormones are so weird. And I started sobbing and I ran to Brian's office and I said, they don't want me there. They don't want me there. And my mom said, did you like it? I didn't hear it because they don't want me there, mom. She said, well, you can be the exception. You don't have to go to a group. I said, mom, I don't want to be the exception. I want to feel at home. And so when I was given Joyful Life, I said, they don't have to come to group if they don't feel comfortable with it. I want so much grace here. You don't have to come to group. But if you do, you'll be blessed. Just saying. We understand that things happen and you can't always come every week. Even though it's in your heart, we know that. Come when you can. Just come every time you can. Just come and we'll act like you've been here every time. We're just so excited that you show up at all. And so is Jesus. So just come when you can. We understand that some can't stay the whole time. Some of you can only come to groups, and this is an exception today. Come for groups then. I don't care if you come to the lecture. I mean, I do like to see your beautiful faces, but if you can't, that's okay. Come. Come for whatever time amount you can allot. Just come. Come for groups. Come for discussion. Come for whatever part you can, and I understand. And people get up. I understand that you have to use the bathroom while I'm speaking. And next week, there will be beautiful bathrooms. I've been promised. So come, and if you have to use the restroom and you want to come back in, that's fine. There is grace here. And that, Genesis is a book about, most of all, grace. And if we're not getting grace inside and outside and showing grace, then we've missed the whole picture. This is grace. And the groups will be filled with grace. Our prayer is that joyful life will become a joy to you. You see, as Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. Joyful life was created to bless you and to meet a spiritual need for you. You were not made to attend joyful life. Joyful life was made to bless you. That's how it was created. That's, that's the prayer behind it, that it would be a blessing to you, that it would increase your faith, that it would increase through coming your knowledge of God and his love, that it would increase your joy, that it would increase your fellowship, that it would increase your sense of belonging. I am wanted here. You know how sometimes you feel like you're not wanted anywhere? You're not wanted at South Coast Plaza? <laughs> Especially Nordstrom's. Have you ever felt that feeling? Like, oh no, you're supposed to wear beige in here and I'm wearing, you know, I don't know, khaki, camouflage, so I'd fit in with the plants, is to increase your sense of belonging. You're wanted here. That's why your group leader is like, you came. You're wanted here. It's to show you how God wants to work in your life personally. When you leave this building, God still wants to work in your life, and he wants to work in your family. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to do so much, and it's going to give you revelation to what God is doing and how to be a participant in what God is doing. 
It will help you to see the calling he has on your life, what your gifts are, and how to operate in those gifts. But most of all, it's that you might know how much God loves you and is for you and for your best. So with that, I want to say, welcome to Joyful Life. And to the study of our great creator, of the one who created you and brought you to this place at this time, who gave you the nose that you have. I don't know why he said supersize on me. Gave you the nose you have. Gave you the hair color that your hairdresser helped you with. who made you just like you are, that he might use you for his glory and bless you and speak into you. This is our great creator. Will you stand as I pray over you one last time? Lord, thank you for these precious women that have come, Lord, to draw closer to you, our great creator. Lord, because they want to know you, They want to be part of your plan and what you're doing. I thank you for every life. Lord, you know what they've come through this week just to get here. Lord, we pray that you would bring a reprieve, that you would say to the enemy, stop that. Just stop that. Leave her alone, God. And that we would be able to just sit at your feet and look up into your face and know your great goodness and love for us. Lord, minister to each woman. As every eye is closed, I just want to, if you've had a week, and you know, maybe your dog's not walking around with a cone, but you've had a week, would you just raise your hand so we can just pray over you? Okay, no peeking, but it's the majority of you. Lord, these are my sisters. And Lord, it's been a week, and you know everything that's come against us. And Lord, again, we pray that you would stand up against every force that's come against us. Lord, that you would speak to and into our prodigals. Lord, that you would speak at those that are coming against us. Lord, that you would meet the financial needs with your provision. That you would again remind us that you are the great I am, whatever my people need that you are our sufficiency, that you are our source, you are our peace, you are our joy, you are our God. Lord, that you create out of nothing. And Lord, we're asking you to take the nothingness of our lives and work something great that only you can do. Lord, these are your daughters. You love each one so much. Minister that love to them. Let them know you've got them covered and you've got this situation covered. Let them know, speak to them, Lord. Give them a word of encouragement. Give them that special rima from your word. Bless them, enlighten their understanding as they study the book of Genesis. Bless them with such incredible insights. They can't wait to just proclaim them. And bless them in the groups. Give them friendships that are lasting till the day of the rapture or death. Lord, just bless and work on these, your women. I present them to you as glorious vessels in Jesus' name.